Thank God. Thank you, brother. I never know how much it cost. Uh, how much did it cost him? How much did it cost him? Ah, uh, yeah. I've been able to buy some expensive things. Uh, praise God. And it was a value, a cost value to that. But when we think about what it cost him for me and your salvation, so what we can have the privilege in to sit here this morning, I can't even imagine what it cost. How much did it cost him so we can have an opportunity to be here this morning? Good morning, solid word. Praise Jesus. Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise right now? He is so worthy. He is so awesome. He is righteous. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There's none like him. There's no comparison, y'all. Praise Jesus. Glory to his name. The precious name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. So let's do this. There's a lot this morning in the text, so we're going to, can you please stand? And we're going to uh, turn to your bulletin, turn to, we're going to be reading again, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. And we are going to, I'm going to continue what pastor has been preaching the last uh, few weeks, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and what it means to be godly Christ-like citizens, all for his, his glory, not ours, right? All for his glory. So uh, it's 1 through 11, but I notice on the bulletin because it's too much. We're, you guys are going to read 1 through 6, and I'll take it from there if that's okay. All right, so let's read together. It says this, Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. In your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice that log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let the take out the speck of your arm and behold the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, so they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Verse number 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, he will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a snake, will he? Here it is, the last verse. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give what is good to those who ask him. Oh, how much more. Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to stand uh, before a holy God. You are worthy. You are awesome, Lord, and I thank you. But God, thank you for being a God that you would not incline your ears to us so that we can come and ask you. But not only ask you, you said that, God, if we ask you, Lord, you will give it to us, God. God, much more a God who gives good gifts, Lord. So we thank you for a God who loves us so much that you gave the only perfect gift. It's your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you for the gift that keeps on giving, Lord. God, remove me, Lord. God, make sure that when I stand here and proclaim your word, God, it's clear. It's not about me. But at the end of the day, that I be careful to give you all the praise and all the honor that you deserve, God. And if there's somebody here today 
but who doesn't know you, my prayer is this, that they walk away, not the same, but they walk away, Lord, with a relationship with the King of Kings. We pray all these things in your perfect name, Jesus. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Again, praise God, Lord, uh, for this day right here. Real quick, I just want to uh, um, tell my brother Gene and his wife Tiffany, uh, praying for you, love you. I thank God what he's doing in your ministry and your heart. Praying for you, Doc. Uh, also, I thank God for my family here who's came here this morning to support me. Thank you all for your prayers. Uh, but let's go ahead and just dive into the text because, again, there's just so much in here, and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm mindful of my time, okay? So, so uh, the title for this message this morning is A Kingdom Citizen Righteous Response. A Kingdom Citizen's Righteous Respond, okay? A Kingdom Citizen's Righteous Respond. And there's two main points that we're going to discuss this morning, two main points. Uh, the first point is this, a kingdom citizen's response to others, his response to others, and that has to do with judgment, y'all. And the second one is this, a kingdom citizen's response to God, and that has to do with prayer. So, so what Jesus does, he breaks this sermon out, and it's two sections. First one is judgment, but he ends it in prayer, y'all, right? Amen. Right, so, so, so the question that, you know, as I was praying and asking, you know, God, you know, this morning, just to show me exactly what he, he's, he, he wants me to see, he wants us to see. And what he wanted, uh, he told me in my spirit, he said this, he said, Kenny, what's your motive? He said, see, what's your motive? You can come here Sunday, you know, all dressed up and so forth, but, 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 but really, what, 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 what's your motive? So when Jesus is talking here in these particular verses, Jesus is addressing the disciples and the other people who are listening, and he asks the question, uh, what's your motive behind what you do? So when we talk about judgment and we talk about prayer, what's our motive behind that? Let me ask you this. What's your motive for being here today right now? Huh? What is it? Is it because today is Sunday on the calendar, so... I've got a routine that now, you know, I have to be at church because it is Sunday, right? Is, 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 is our motive this? Is because, uh, you know, I, I look at my family. Are they here? Are we here because uh, I, I want to I I see Kenny? Is, is, is that our motive? What if it's this? Is that, you know what? This is just a, a tick in the box for long things that I want to get done today. But, but I, I just really... I just really want to come here so I can hurry up and leave because I'm already have my mind and my heart on some other things. What, 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 again, help me understand it because this is what I'm struggling. I'm asking God right now, Lord, Lord, help me. What, what, what's our motives behind what we do? Because here's what we understand. Motives drive behavior, right? Think about that. I mean, what, what we're motivated to do, ultimately it leads to what we'll end up doing, our actions. And that's what Jesus knows here. So when, when he has the disciples and he's preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God, he's looking around and he says, okay, I see a lot of people here and you're all dressed up, but what's your motive? If, if, it's, if, really, if it's a kingdom motive because you have a heart to really want to serve, you have a heart to be a, a Christ-like disciple, then it should be evident in our behavior. There should be some fruits that I see. But if we're here this morning, all oh, because, again, it's just another check in the box. Don't be surprised if we walk away looking the same. Don't be surprised if we keep on doing the same thing. Because we have to check our motives. Again, why are we here this morning? That's what Jesus is dealing with in the text. He says, first, he says, what's your motive about judgment? And here we, we, I've got to kind of just give you a quick, you know, background in terms of the context, what's going on here. You've got to think about this. Jesus, uh, when, he, when he's talking, he had primarily dealt with before. He was dealing with the, the motives, the interior self-spiritual life. So when you look at what's inside of us, the interior part of that, he dealt with stuff like this. And Pastor preached on this in the past. He was, he was telling us about our attitudes. How do we give, Right? 
you know, our prayers, our fasting. What does that look like? All these interior type things, these spiritual things. But again, here, here, he goes to this. Now Jesus touches on one important thing, one important thing related to, here it is, the way we think. How do we think? And how do we treat others based on what we think? How do we treat others based on what we think, right? Again, what is our motives? And the problem is this, is that the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they walked around like they were the standards. So they walked around as if all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm that dude. You know what I'm saying? I I, I already know God's word. I've been to a few Bible studies. I, I, I preached a few sermons. So I'm already, no, come and see me. My righteous attitude because I've got all the answers. I got this thing on lock. Yeah, he says, I, you know, so, so he's saying, wait a minute, if that's been the standard, wait a minute, you guys are looking at the wrong direction. And that's why he talks about, again, he says, uh-uh, in Matthew 5 and 20, he says this, Jesus called for a righteousness that's greater than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So you've been looking at them, but let me tell you, uh-uh, they've been deceived. But let me tell you about a greater righteousness, a greater standard. He says, let me tell you about that, right? He is here to rebuke that type of thinking and reshape the way we think. That was his motive, right? So when we started off, again, the first point is the kingdom citizens to response to others. In verse number one, it says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Can I ask you a question real quick? That's probably the, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. Is it just me? I mean, because when you start thinking about it, that's the one that we go to. We said, oh, you can't judge me. Stop. You stop it right there. Because why? Kenny, because it says it right in the Bible. Don't judge me what I'm doing, right? Really? Really? I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll use that one. We'll ride home on that one. Uh, and here's the other thing. When, when he talks about do not judge, Jesus says that this isn't a new concept to the Jews. This is a new law. This is not the first time they heard this. You know, the rabbis would teach this, you know, not to, uh, to judge fairly, you know, to judge right. That's what they would teach. But here's the problem with that. Same way that we struggle with. It's not like they haven't heard it the first time before. It's just in their hearts. They just didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it, right? They didn't want to do it. And so when we ask the question, well, what does it mean to judge? What does that mean? Well, the, he- the Hebrew term for that is close to the meaning of ruler. Or somebody who's a ruler, right? A deliverer. Uh, the English word is related to being a critic, condemning, right? Here's another piece of it. It's, it's, it's a form to, to, to form an opinion or a conclusion, right? To form an opinion or a conclusion, right? Many of y'all know that my wife, she was uh, in China not too long ago. She was there for 10 days, y'all. 10 days, and I miss my wife. I'm not going to lie. Folk in this church know I probably was telling them, I'm going to be honest with you. So I would call her, Charles, on the phone, and I would say, we would do a, 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 what was the face? FaceTime. Yeah, we, we, we do that, and she's looking. So I want to ask her, I said, well, how was your day, baby? Is everything going good? She said, yeah, yeah, I'm a little tired because it was a 12-hour difference, right? And I said, you know, well, how are you doing? She said, Kenny, I'm struggling. I said, well, how are you struggling? What's wrong? She said, well, I like the, you know, the scenery, the hotel that got me in a suite and all this thing, but I'm struggling with the food. I said, Huh? I said, the food? She said, yeah, I, I just don't like the way it looks and the texture, and I got eyes looking back at me. And I said, baby, I said, here's the thing. I got you. I understand that, but have you tried it yet? Have you tried it? Will you just try it? Maybe just a little bit of it and see if you like it. She says, no, I won't because I've already came to my conclusion. My mind is made up. I won't do it. I don't care what you say. Really? See, my wife was being judgmental, y'all. She wouldn't even try it. That's all she had to do was try it, right? I'm just teasing, babe. But, but, but when we're talking about, when Jesus here, when he's talking about judging people, right? <laughs> uh, he's not saying that, he's not condemning all judging. 
judgment. No, he's not doing that because, you know, the, the, you know if you just turn to the word in John 7, 24, I'll read it real quick. He says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with the righteous judgment, right? So he didn't say you can't judge. When people try to quote that, that Bible verse, uh-uh. He's talking about a righteous judgment. What does it mean, Kenny, when you talk about a righteous judgment? That means that there's a communion, there's a relationship with God. Yeah, that, that means that the Holy Spirit now tabernacles and rules in us. So now when I'm looking at other people, my judgment is not based on my opinion and myself, right? It's about how can I help that person? How can I encourage that person to be all that God has called them to be so God's kingdom can be expanded, right? That's the difference between the two, y'all. He's talking about a righteous judgment. But again, when Jesus was thinking in here, when he was thinking about the Pharisees, no, he had to. That's why he says again in verse number one, he says, do not, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And then he says in verse two, he talks about if you do judge, what will happen? It says, for in the same way you judge, you will be judged. And here it is. By your standard of measure, it, it will be measured to you. By the standard of measure. What is Jesus saying there? It's the measuring rod, right? The measuring stick. When you start thinking about, hey, wait a minute, I'm judging so-and-so because, you know, the sins that they're doing. He says, uh-uh, slow your roll. Because that's the same measure that you're going to be judged. The same standard that you'll be judged to, right? Because the problem is I'm judging somebody, but I'm doing the same thing. I've got the same kind of, if not even worse than what they're doing. He says, no, wait a minute. You, 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 you can't just keep doing that because if you do, it says God will actually judge you. And this is the kind of, you know, again, with the Pharisees, because of their resumes, the scribes, because they were teachers of the law, they thought that they were above the law, y'all. Yes. They walked around just like, man, I'm walking on water. But they were hypocrites. They were unrighteous, right? And they thought that they could actually be the ones that set the standards that we said before. But the last time I checked my Bible, in James 4 and 12, it says this. It says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbors? Who are you, hypocrites, to judge your neighbors? And then what Jesus does to keep it going, in verse number 3 and 5, he begins to use an examples to really highlight the point that he was trying, that he was making to the people. He said, okay, I've said it, but now let me tell you what that unrighteous judgment looks like. And this is when he talks about, y'all, those specks and those logs. It says here, number three, it says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the law that is in your own eye, huh? And that speck is a light moral defect seen on another. But that log, that phone post, that telephone post, right? That beam, you see what I'm saying? You, you saw the speck, the dust, that minute thing, but you had a, a big old telephone post sticking out of your own eye, really? And you missed that? How can you... Judge somebody else. And that's what we do. We do. And that's why it's funny how we, how we, how we treat other people. See, we got a double standard, right? The words that we say about somebody else or we call somebody else about to, or things that they're doing that we use, we have different words to describe what we're doing, right? <laughs> we do. I mean, those same words, it's just, it just doesn't add up. For example, for this, when we, have, we talk about uh, a person with a bad temper and another, guess what we say to us? We call it a righteous indignation. Yeah, it's a right. I have a right to be angry because you just don't know, Kenny, what that person's done to me. It's a righteous indignation. And guess what we do? We walk around just mad, frustrated. But I'm right, y'all. Look at me. Here's another one. A busybody, a gossiper, right? We see that in another person. Guess what we call ourselves? We call us righteous prayer warriors, y'all. That's what we see. 
We say we are righteous prayer warriors, yes. That's who we are. Why? See, Kenny, you don't understand. What I was doing, I was going to petition on behalf of that one saint, sister so-and-so, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure all the other brothers and sisters know, knew what was going on in her life. And, and, and that's the only thing I was doing. I was really, that was my motive, Kenny, is that I wanted to really pray. Do we do that? Huh? You don't have to say amen, but guess what? But we always tag it with that prayer thing. I really want, it was because I wanted to pray. I was so concerned. Really? Oh, what about this? Uh, we call somebody else an habitual liar, right? And another, but what we call us ourselves is this, a righteous misunderstanding. Yeah, oh, you don't understand. You just misunderstood what I was trying to say. You know what? I, you, I, really? I can keep going on. I can keep going on. Do you understand the point right here? And that's what we do. See, we rationalize away our own guilt. We justify that. But uh, when we look at others, we have another name that we want to call for it. That's what we do. But here's the crazy thing about it. In verse number three, it talks about they're looking at the speck. But look, guess what happens in verse number four? Now they decide, here it is, that unrighteous person, they decide now that they want to take the speck out of their eye. So you're saying to myself, not only do I see it, but now guess what? I'm qualified to take it out of your own eye. Really? And that's what happens. And when we start thinking that, again, the light just shines on me, I can do it. Really? It says it now. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your heart? And behold, there's a log in yours. There's a log in yours. See, when looking for faults, use a mirror. Not a telescope. Let me slow down. When you're looking at faults from others, use a mirror, not a telescope. Because what a telescope, when you think about it, a telescope is that you can pierce in and adjust so you can focus and zoom in. You want to look at that thing clearly from a distance, right? You don't want to miss anything when you go to a telescope. But when you look at in a mirror, guess what happens with a mirror? All of a sudden, now I'm looking back at myself. Ooh. And that's what he's saying here. It's talking about a self-examination. Yeah, sometimes. When is the last time that we, including me, we've taken a long look in the mirror, y'all? And he's asking us, wait, if you talk about being kingdom citizens, let's take a long look in the mirror. Not at somebody else. Don't look at the telescope. Oh, but look at me. And not compared to other men and other people, but in terms of the God who created us. How do we fall? He's the standard. How do we come to that standard? Do we meet the standard? And if we don't, do we even care? That's why it says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says, Paul tells us, he says, examine yourself to see even if you're even in the faith. Examine yourself. How often, Kenny? Should it be once a year? Should it be twice a year? We have to examine ourselves, saints, every day. Because I don't know about you, but man, I know about me. And so, so many times I can get caught up with what everybody else is doing. I miss myself and my own issues, my own faults. He says, examine yourself. But the same person who has his telephone pole in their eye, it says now they're going to try to take it out, on some, take the speck out of somebody else's eye. If you had a surgeon who was blind, would you want him to operate on your eye? Would you want a blind surgeon to operate on your eye? Huh? Can I speak from, my, from all y'all? No. I do not want a blind surgeon operating on my eye. And, but that's the concept that Jesus was saying. Here you got, you got this long beam in your eye, and now all of a sudden you're trying to operate and take something out. You can't even get to the person because that pole is preventing you to even get close to it because all of the sin, but you're trying to do it. But that's the problem with the church today, saints, is that we got people who are trying to operate on other people, but they haven't even dealt with their own sin issues. They're making judgment 
They're trying to do, take things out and say, no, go. You need to first get right with God and fix yourself. But when we don't, man, there's nothing like church pain, y'all. If you've ever experienced church pain, man, it hurts to the heart. And the reason why it does, saints, is because you would think in a setting like this, oh, we love Jesus. We serve in the same Jesus, right? But when people who say that, but they have a different intentions and motives, y'all, starts cutting you back, that stings. You expect that in the world, but not in the church. But that's what happens. It causes division in the church. We can sit up here on Sunday, but some of us, we've already got in our mind, man, I'm, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, and it causes us not to be united, Pastor. It causes us to be separated. But here's the other thing that it does, y'all. Look at the testimony that it gives to our Lord and Savior. For the, for the unbelievers, right, when they see that, and then we try to witness, and they say, wait a minute, slow your roll, Kenny. If this is what it means to be a believer, and that kind of stuff is happening in the church, I'm cool just the way I am. Leave me alone. If this is what it looks like, see, we have to understand this thing is bigger than us, y'all. The problem is that we make it about us. I come in here every day, and it's my own agenda. If it doesn't meet my standards, man, I'm taking my ball and going home. I'm out of here. But no, it says, uh-uh. He said, no, when he talks about kingdom citizens, that's not what Jesus had in mind, y'all. No, that's not what he has in mind. Then he goes on to says this. In verse number five, oh, he just calls them out. He says, I'm just going to call you what you are. He says, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. That's what it says, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't pull no punches. When Jesus calls you out, he says, look, we I'm tired of talking. This is what you are. You are hypocrites. Yeah. So what is a hypocrite? Yeah. And that, the word in Greek, it has a real close relationship to the theater. A play actor, right? Somebody who's uh, uh, putting on a mask, a counterfeit, a pretender, right? Uh, somebody who has a mask. Me and my daughter, she's not here right now, my youngest daughter, me and her love to go see the Marvel movies, y'all. We do. We, we big Marvel superhero movie fans. Endgame, have y'all seen it yet? It's three hours, but man, it's a good movie, yeah. But me and my daughter, we have this debate, y'all. And here's the debate, is this. Who is the greatest superhero of them all? That's the debate me and her have, right? Who, who's the greatest of them all, right? So, so, so I say this. I said, well, well, first she, she says her superhero, she likes Captain America. Y'all like Captain America? He all right. Eh, he all right, all right? So here's my argument. I said, no, no, uh babe, you can keep Captain America. I like Iron Man, y'all. I'm a big Iron Man fan. Who, I got two Iron Man fans back there, right? <laughs> so here's what my daughter does. She does this to me. She says, yeah, yeah, Daddy, I got Iron Man, but here's the problem with Iron Man. He says that because of his armor and because of his mask, if you take that mask off, he's just a regular dude. <laughs> and, and here comes that righteous indignation, y'all, because I'm like... Because I can't, I just can't come back enough. I, I don't have a comeback. Because I sit back and think, I said, but, mm, but, hey, I didn't tell this her, but yeah, you're right. See, see, Iron Man, because of his armor and his mask on, it gives him power and strength. But, 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 but when you take it away, he's powerless, he's weak, he's nothing. And that's just like the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about. You walk around with a play mask on, pretending to be something that you're not, but you're not fooling me or anybody else because you're powerless, you're weak, and you're sinful. He's calling them out just what they are. Hypocrites, right? And he uses the word hypocrite several times in the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. But then he doesn't stop there, y'all. Jesus keeps going. He says, wait a minute, okay. Then he comes down to verse number six. He says, do not give what is holy to dogs. Ooh. See, holy is, means something that is sacred, something that has been set apart, right? 
Something holy and worthy and precious. That's where the pearls part is, comes to play. Something that's precious. In the context here, he's saying, wait a minute. Jesus is giving truth, spiritual truth, right? The Sermon on the Mount, and talks about how do we live to be godly citizens. He's giving them, you know, what they need so they can press on and be Christ-like, right? Spiritual truth. He says, uh-uh, don't give them to dogs. What do you mean, dogs? But you just told me not to judge, right, Jesus? But now you're saying, don't give them to dogs. Who's the dogs? <laughs> see, 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 the dogs, you got to get it right. The dogs are, are not the same like they, in the ancient days, like we're talking about dogs today, in, in today's day. Yeah, they didn't have Fluffy and Pluto and all them other kind of names for those dogs. Most of these dogs were wild, savage beasts. They were diseased. They were vicious. Yeah, and what they did, they ran around in packs. And then at nighttime, they would come, and they seen a human or a person. They would attack it. And that's why he talked about vicious dogs being attacked, right? Then he talks about, he gives the illustration about pigs. Pigs... In, Levit in Leviticus, it's talking about being unclean, unclean animals, right? But they're the same way. They were filthy and nasty. He said, don't give what is valuable, precious, spiritual truth, thing that God has called holy, not man, to vicious people, dogs who are hypocrites, who don't want to accept truth because their hearts have been hardened. He said, don't, 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 don't do that. He says, don't do that. He's not saying this because sometimes when we share the gospel, you might have some people to have give you some, you know, a little bit of resistance, right? Yeah, because they want to know. But these are people, when he's talking about here, these are people who said, look, my mind is made up. I don't want to hear nothing about it. My heart is hardened because of sin has crippled them, right? And Jesus talks about, even uh, in, in the gospels, he talks about, how do we handle people like that? Because to me, when I was reading it, I kept trying to say, wait a minute, but, but maybe if I just keep going back, maybe that will be do it. Maybe that would do it. But, but I had to read, uh, when, I, when, I, when I was reading, I had to go to Acts 19, 8, verses 9. And we don't have time to go through it, but I'll just read the last part of it. Here's Paul. Paul was preaching in the synagogues, y'all, right? And he's been preaching, it says, for three months. He's preaching to the, and he was preaching about the kingdom of God. He was preaching three months about the kingdom of God. But here's the people's reaction. It was this. It says, but when some were becoming hardened, their hearts were hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people. What did Paul do? It said he withdrew from them and took away with him his disciples. Paul withdrew because why? The people's heart was hardened. He says, Jesus says the same thing when we look at in, uh, in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 10, 14, it says that when the people stopped, didn't want to hear and listen more to what the disciples were saying, because Jesus had sent the disciples out, what did he say? He said, shake off the dust off your feet. He didn't say keep going back and forth. He said, you got to shake the dust off your feet. In other words, you have to move on. Why, Kenny? Because the kingdom according to God's perfect plan, the plan of redemption, will go forward. And he's already preparing some people who will be receptive to hear the gospel, the good news about his son, Jesus Christ. So when we get stuck somewhere because people are vicious, heart and heart, he says, no, you have to continue to move on because my kingdom will be expanded. And I know sometimes that's hard for us to believe. But when we talk about God's, again, message going forth, he says, no, you have to move on. The kingdom has to expand according to God's plan. Kingdom citizens are to share precious spiritual truths, the kingdom message, but are not to be, here it is, too naive and fail to be discerning because unrepented hypocrites won't appreciate and accept the value. Unrepentant hypocrites won't accept the value. He says, yeah, I want you to be, to, to share the gospel. He says, but at the same time, don't be naive. He said, you can't be naive. Last point is this, so. In verses 7 through 11, 
Jesus talks about this. This is dealing with the prayer. The, t- uh, the point is the kingdom citizen's response to God, and it has to deal with our prayer, right? He says this. It gets back to the motives that we have. And to draw the context so you can understand what's going on, again, based on the motives, y'all. you got to understand where the people were. See, now what Jesus is doing, he's drawn the conclusion on the Sermon of the Mount, y'all. He is. He's been preaching. He's been telling them now he's getting ready to come to an end. And he says, okay, in a broader context, I've been talking about teaching you, again, about uh, treating others, about handling material needs and handling uh, uh, how, how we treat other people, not with hatred, how we are supposed to love our enemies. How do we deal with divorce? Think about all the things that he went through. How do we deal with marriage? How do we deal with all these kind of things? And Pastor preached only last week. The motives about, I mean, the, the value, the gospel, the, the, the values in terms of uh, praying, fasting. How do we give to each other? The things that material needs and wants. He says, don't be worried about all those things. And then here in verse number seven, he brings it to a conclusion. He starts talking about being judgmental. He said, don't, don't, don't judge. So all these things. And then he says, having proper discernment when you're talking about sharing the gospel, right? He says, you have to discern. But see, here's what happens is this, is that y'all, y'all, y'all looking kind of like I did. When you start trying to swallow all that up, you said, who can live up to that standard right there? Woo! Who can do that, right? And what would happen? People would walk away discouraged because the standard is too high. And any time, y'all, that we try to live up to a standard by our own self, our own abilities, we won't make it. We can't do it. So they're saying, how in the world, Jesus, can we live up to that standard? This is what we do. We come into church, y'all. We hear the word of God, but we walk away the same because we've already made up in our minds. I can't do that. It sounds good. I know it's biblical because it's from the word of God, but I can't live up to that standard. What can we do? And Jesus, again, is dealing with motives, y'all. What's your motive behind prayer? If when I pray, because, again, he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm sorry, the, the Pharisees and the scribes. And right here, what he's talking about is this. He says, they know how to pray because it says that they are known for the long, eloquent prayers, right? So it's not like they don't know how to pray because they know how to pray. But it's more than just that kind of prayer, y'all. He says, wait a minute. I know you know how to pray, but what's your motive when you're praying? If I have a motive, this is based on self that I can get, give it to me, then that's all I get out of it. But Jesus is saying, nah, check your motives, because this kind of prayer that he's talking about is a heart that's desiring to live out the kingdom life. So he says, I've got it. You got to change your prayer life. I know you think you know about prayer, but let me tell you what it is. And then that's when he talks about in verse number seven, he says, all you have to do is ask me. He says, ask me in verse number seven, and it will be given to you. He says, seek and you will find and knock and the door will be open. He says, that is what you have to do when you don't know what to do and how to live this thing. He says, this is what you do. He says, I dare you to ask me. And when we're asking, it's not an asking like we hope and wish something will happen. It's an asking that we know with great expectations that God will answer our prayers. We're expecting God to move. Not because we said so. It's because that's what his word says. But here's what it doesn't say. And this is why we got to be careful. This is what it doesn't say. It's not saying this, y'all. It's not saying that, okay, now we have a slot machine Jesus. Do you know what a slot machine Jesus looks like? I know some of us is holy. We don't know what a slot machine is, but can I tell you real quick what it looks like? A slot machine is this. is you go to the casino or someplace, and you just keep pulling down the handle and handle over and over, and you're hoping that your numbers pop up. And when they pop up, oh, I won the prize, whatever it may be. Again, I know you don't know what a casino looks like or a slot machine. I'm just trying to help you. Right? That's what sometimes we're praying. It's, it's one of those naming and claiming prayers. It's not talking about that. If I name it and claim it, that prosperity, if I just say it enough, God, you'll God, you give it to me because you said if all I have to do is ask and it will be given to me. 
Is that what Jesus is talking about right here? Huh? He's not a genie in the bottle type Jesus. Well, all of a sudden we can rub on the bottle and here he is, y'all. That's not what he has in mind when he's saying, asking me. He's saying for people who have a heart to look like me, to live this kingdom life, to be kingdom citizens, I'm going to ask me so I will let you know what it looks like. I'll, t- I'll tell you what it looks like. And that asking is almost like we're beggars. Oh, see, a lot of us, we've been comfortable for a long time. We don't know what it means to be a beggar, right? I had an opportunity years ago to go to Brazil. And when I was walking down the street in some of the tough parts of Brazil, I seen people who had nothing. And they were begging, begging just, just for somebody to give them uh, 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 some money, a piece of, you know, something to eat. Because they knew that if somebody didn't help them, that might be the only meal that they get. They needed what was given out so they can have another day to survive. They didn't, if we walk past, they may not get another meal. But when we're talking about beggars being spiritually, right, it's that, Lord, I'm just begging because I want to make sure every spiritual food that you have for me, I don't want to miss nothing. I don't want to go without I got a heart because I want to make sure that I get everything, Jesus, that you have for me. Begging. The other thing that he talks about is seek. Yeah. And that word seeks means to, to learn something carefully to investigate, y'all. Seeking is asking. Here it is, plus acting. I said again, seeking is asking, but I'm also acting. I'm, a- I'm acting on what I asked. The other thing it is is this. When you seek something, sometimes you have to rearrange your priorities. Why do you do that, Kenny? Because it's valuable to you. When my wife one day, she couldn't find a wedding ring, she went through the whole house rearranging stuff, y'all. And she wouldn't stop looking for it because that ring was valuable to her. And that's what Jesus is saying is that if it's valuable to you, if it means something, you will rearrange your priorities. How many of us don't want to rearrange our priorities because our mind is set on the things that we want to do? And anytime somebody says, rearrange and make sure prayer, a heart and a desire to pray is a priority, what? I've already got my day made up. How much is asking our Lord, is it worth something to you? Is it valuable to you? Will you rearrange not just your day? Can I say this? Will you rearrange your life? Amen. See, we talk about being a people of prayer, a house of prayer. But if I don't see a difference and we keep doing the same thing, are we really that surprised that we're in the same boat that we've been in? And then we're disappointed because all of a sudden we look and say, God, he must have let, let us down. I've been praying. Those, no, those are self-centered prayers. He's talking about praying. Christ-like prayers, seeking what is valuable to the only one that can help us. Then he talks about knocking, and all these are progressive intensity. So he talks about, uh, and these are continual too. It's not just you knock one time, you seek one time. These are something that's repetitive. You keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking, right? And when you knock, it's almost like going to somebody's door when somebody's chasing you. Yeah, you got, you know, somebody's chasing a dog, whatever, you knock on somebody's door, let me in, let me in here. Huh? It's a sense of urgency. I'm not going to stop knocking until you let me in, Lord. I want to hear, I want to get all that you have for me. I want to get all that you have for me. And when we talk about that, we're talking about passionate, persistent prayers, y'all. And here's what happens is, when we, got, when we know somebody who is going through some things, right, and, and, and you know how we do. We call people and say, oh, please be praying for so-and-so because the doctor, she's going through something, the doctor's saying it doesn't look good. And what do we do? We get on the phone and start calling people, and we, we pray. That's biblical. We're passionate. We prostrate ourselves before the Lord because we want to hear from God. Help this individual. But can I ask you, do you have that same passion a prayer when you're talking about your own spiritual growth. Huh? When we talk about your own spiritual growth, are you passionate like that? 
that you won't stop asking because, Lord, I know me and I know the things that I'm dealing with. Lord, help me now. I don't want to wake up another day in this condition. It's not about my husband, my boyfriend, my classmate. It's about, Lord, I know you are disappointed in my attitude and my action. Lord, do, do we have that kind of passionate prayer when it talks about spiritual growth? Not only for ourselves, but somebody else. We know some people right now are struggling. How many times have we prostrated before the Lord on their behalf? How many times have we done that? Passionate prayer is this. Three things it does. When we talk about passionate, passionate prayer, it does three things. Real quick, number one is this. It reminds us of our weakness Apart from God's amazing grace. Let me say that again. It reminds us of our weakness apart from God's amazing grace. As we're honest before our Lord, we continue to face our sinfulness. It's like the going back to the mirror. Every time I look in the mirror, it should remind me how sinful I am and how holy he is. It should remind me how sinful and dirty I am. Thank you, God, for saving. I'm saved by grace, but I know I still have some work to be done. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace for not turning your back on me. So, so, so it, we should, we should it, when we pray, it should remind us, not hide it. Because you know how sometimes we pray, I don't want to pray about these things in my life right here. Why is that? Because we don't, we're not really let them go yet. We don't want to let it go yet. It looks good. It sounds good, but we don't. And this is an attitude in a, in, in a heart that wants to be, uh, I want the world to saturate me. I want the world to saturate my mind because I know how I am. And if I'm not connected to the word, I know what I'm capable of doing. And it goes on and said, the second thing is this. It reminds us to look to God as our father. Not a buddy, not a just another good dude, right? There's a certain reverence and respect because God... You mean Yahweh, the creator of everything, you would allow me to be in your presence? Really? Sometimes we're too cozy with God, and we think that we can approach, the, approach him any kind of way. He says, no. He said, you got to understand, I'm the only one who made this happen. I spoke this in existence. I didn't call you and ask you for your help. I said, I got this thing right here. So we have to have a level of reverence for him. Third thing is this. It disciplines and humbles us to receive the Father's gracious provisions, y'all. That's what it does. Because if, if not careful, what happens is that we start focusing on what I don't have. We do. Or where we prayer is this, is God, look. You know, with, with my money situation, my house, you know, my kids, the things on my jobs, all these things. And that begins to consume our thinking. And sometimes what Jesus have to say, he said, pump your brakes. Have you noticed? Have you seen my provisions for you? Do, do you understand that the only reason why you have a job, it may not be the best job, if the only reason that you have a home, the only reason why you're still breathing, the only reason why you're doing what you're doing is because I've shown you grace. It says my grace and my mercy is brand new each and every day. And what happens if we don't do that? We start thinking about all the things that we don't have. God, but you got to understand, I still want this. I want more. Stop doing that. Praising for his provisions. Because trust me, there would be a lot of people who would love to be in your living in your shoes right now. They would love to be in your shoes. I wish I even had a house to go to. I wish I had a church where I can come and worship freely and not have to worry about being persecuted. Don't miss his provisions. Verse number eight, I know my time is up. He keeps going. He says this, he says, for everyone who asks, receives, y'all. Huh? Don't miss his grace in that one right here. When I was reading that, I started shouting because I said, wait a minute. Did he really say everyone? Huh? Here's what he should have said this. Everyone who asks, you don't get anything because of your sinful nature. 
Not what you did last year, but the things, same things that you can continue to do each and every day. And you take that filth and you present it to me and you want me to be satisfied with that? Because of your sinful nature, what I'm going to do is I'm going to erase your name out of the Lamb's book of life. I need to cross it out. I'm shutting my book, my word for you because I've tried to give it to you. I sent people to preach, to teach the gospel. But you were too busy on your phones. You were too busy doing playing house. You were too busy doing you. Really? But here's what it does say, y'all. It says everyone. Last time I checked, it says everyone, not some who asks receives, y'all. Everyone who asks. Praise God for his amazing grace. That he doesn't leave none of us out, y'all. And it's not based on our resumes because none of us would have got anything from him. Praise me for his grace this morning. Not because I said so, because when you look at your life, don't look at last week, look at today. What have you done for him to answer your prayers? Everyone who asks, he says this. Lord, he makes himself known. He said, if you want to know, ask me. I'll reveal myself to you. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to go and ask. I'm telling you what I'll do for you. We serve a God, y'all, who made himself known, his redemptive plan known to us. He broke us. He walked us all through redemptive history where he's been. I was here controlling this. When Moses said, it was me. When I was here, David, it was me. And he's pointing to a greater in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was him. It was him. Me and my wife and the Grady's, we had a chance to go to Paris a few months ago, right? And we had, to, uh, we had an opportunity to go to the Louvre. You heard of the Louvre before? It's a famous museum where they have all the artwork in Paris, Right? So, 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 yeah, who said that? The Mona Lisa? So, we, 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 that was our whole intent, that we wanted to go. We wanted to see all the other paintings. We were hurrying up, Shannon and Milan, we were looking at them. But we wanted to see the Mona Lisa, yeah. So, so, so when we finally got to the Mona Lisa, it was a big old room, just for one painting, y'all. The room was bigger than this, 100 people for just one painting. So we got close to the, mountain, the Mona Lisa, y'all. The painting was probably about this big. But here's what I, I'm serious, you think it's only about this big, but imagine this being the, the wall, right? You can only get to about this close to the Mona Lisa. Why? Because it was a barrier that was set up before. So what we had to do, we had to hurry up and take selfies and try to align ourselves so we can be in the picture with the Mona Lisa so we can go back and share with our friends, look, I took a picture with the Mona Lisa, right? Yeah, 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 which we can only get so far. But, 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 but when Jesus here, when we look at Hebrews chapter 4, 16, it says in his word, he says, we can come to the throne of grace boldly. We can go to his throne boldly to receive grace and find mercy to help us in the time of need, meaning that there's no barriers, there's no walls, there's no obstacles. We can come boldly. We don't have to stand here. We can look right here because of what Jesus Christ has done. But guess what, Charles? It even gets better than that, Doc. Not only can we get close up to it, we can be in the picture. Uh, we, we in the picture. What do you mean, Kenny? Because if you've been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we've been adopted in the family. That's what the Word says. We can receive grace and mercy. We are in the picture. We don't have to look at it from a distance. Man, we in that thing. That's good news today, saints. Oh, man, thank God. Here's the thing that blows my mind. Jesus, you would allow me to be in that picture with you? Are you serious? Man, that's where I said, don't miss his grace. Don't miss his grace this morning. He's telling us something, y'all. He says, look, I got you. Keep your eyes on me. Oh, I got to go. I'm sorry. Last... Last couple of verses is this. Jesus begins to paint the picture. I told you there was a lot in here, y'all. I'm trying. I am. I'm trying. 
I'll wrap it up. He, he talks about the last three verses. Now he begins to give another illustration, y'all, of, uh, again, driving home the point of what he means in terms of giving gifts, right? And that's what he says in verse number nine. He says, or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, he will give him a stone? Who would do that? And ten, it says, or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake. Will he? Would you give your son a, a snake? No. Then he says this, last, last verse. He says, if you then, being evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts, if you then, being evil, sinful nature, evil, know how to give what? Good gifts. It says this. He says, uh, give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give to you? I like that verse. How much more, y'all? Ah, uh, yeah. How much more will your Father, the good gifts that he has for us, what he's really saying is there's no comparison, y'all. I like what he does. He's talking about you being human. I'm talking about not humanity, not human. I'm talking about divine. See, there's a difference. See, see, we, we can really go home on uh, how much more part, right? And the reason why is this. Once we pray, because the concept here, the, 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 uh, the main point is prayer, y'all. Once we pray, we're asking, right? We're asking just like Jesus told us to do. But what he's saying, man, I hear your prayers, but you can't even ask me enough. Your prayers are limited. Your prayers are small. You have no idea who I am, do you? Because if you understood who I am, then you would even pray to me greater because I've got greater works for you. But we've been hindered because we see it in our own understanding. He's trying to broaden their minds so they can understand who they're dealing with, y'all. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 3, 20, we love that one. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than what can ever ask or think. How much more? That's the kind of God that we serve, y'all. The how much more God. That's my God this morning. He said, you, you know what? You're limited in your prayers because I've got greater stuff for you to do, greater works for you for my kingdom. How much more? Yeah. God's greatest gift that he can give, that he gave was his son, Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for me and you on Calvary. Yeah, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Now we can come and commune and be in a right relationship with him. Yeah, he gave his son. But it doesn't stop there, y'all. Here's the how much more, how he continues. Because some of y'all are looking, like, looking to be like some of the disciples, probably looking at Jesus. I got you. I know you saved me. But I still got to go back out there. See, I got to go back out in that work environment. I got to go back out in that relationship I got to go out and deal with my children. There's some issues going on with my kids. I got to go back out, y'all, and deal with some of my finances, whatever it may be, whatever your issue may be, when we leave here. He said, here it is. He says, the God who gave his son keeps giving. Huh? Yeah, because later on, they would crucify his son. Yeah, he would go home to sit on the right hand of the Lord. But he said, you don't have to break down and lose hope. Because I'm sending another just like me. Yeah, he says, he says, I'm sending another just like me and the other just like me. Oh, y'all already know. Do I have to say his name? You say his name. It's the Holy Spirit who tabernacles and reigns and rules in our hearts, y'all. Trust me, if I knew that I had to go back in ministry, if I had to go back in some relationships, y'all don't understand what I'm dealing with right now. I don't have time to tell you that. But just like that, I don't know what you're dealing with right now. So I'm telling you, not that I said it, but God's word, the how much more God. He says, I've given you my spirit. He'll give you strength. He'll give you hope. He'll comfort you. He'll cover you. He'll heal you. He's that kind of God. He'll do it for you. You don't have to worry. But the question is, are we asking, are we seeking, are we knocking this morning? Or do we continue to sit back? And sit down and leave out of here the same way. And then frustrated and mad. And says, where has God gone? He's been right here. We ended on this just like he said before. The question is this. How do kingdom citizens respond to others? And how do they respond to God? The only way we can do it is this. 
It's a righteous discernment, y'all. When we're looking at other people, we have to have righteous discernment, righteous judgment. The other thing is this. We have to be persistent in our prayers, persistent, consistent in our prayers every single day. In that word, prayed up. The last thing it is, we can never forget our dependency on the spirit, the power of God for all we do, all our ministry. It's all dependent on the Holy Spirit who tabernacles and rules in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.